With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey everyone, this is Johnny, and I am back with my co-host Sam Marks. This is episode seven of the Vest Like a Boss podcast. I'm really excited to to share with you uh, this great interview uh, with Sam and his friend Kevin Shi, who owns the largest self storage company in Asia. I get super energetic every time I talk to Kevin. He's a good friend of mine and one of the smartest guys I know. The business he built in Hong Kong is just amazing. Every time I go there, I learn a little bit more about the business, about Kevin. It's always, always increasingly impressive. Uh, On the episode, we talk a lot in detail about how Kevin got started with the business. And I I, I think as, as importantly and as interesting the strategy behind the business and how the, the, the financial wizardry is, is what I like to call it, that he is able to implement in growing and scaling his business, something that has been worth the lesson just in the investment I made with him just to learn about these types of things and, and how he's been able to leverage debt in making the returns of his business that much bigger. Yeah, and what's really cool is the fact that he, you know, is he started a company that is a brick and motor motor company. It's kind of traditionally kind of like a boring old industry, but he's using mm-hmm. new techniques, kind of modern technology, applying big data to it, and he's able to really just take over this industry. And uh, I think it's so cool that not only you know are you guys friends and you kind of can can see it from the business building point of view, but that you are investor as well and you have a guaranteed fixed income with no downside which which is amazing yeah it's i i really liked well i wanted to do business with kevin from the day i met him um and i absolutely fell in love with self-storage because it's it's totally opposite of anything that we're used to um I mean, property is something that I had done a little bit in the past, but self-storage is just such a beautiful concept, right? It's recession-proof. When the market goes to, to crap, people want to downsize and put things in storage. And even growing up when I was a five-year-old kid, my, my you know, we always had a self-storage unit around town that we would just put all of our junk in. And my parents have, have been had a self-storage unit their entire life. So literally whoever owns that self-storage unit is getting, <laughs> is getting a lifetime income stream from my family, right? So when I saw his business in Hong Kong, I mean, they are everywhere. They have 64 locations, over 20,000 customers. And for anyone who knows Hong Kong, it's, it's a pretty small market. It's a pretty small uh, geographical area. So they are literally everywhere in Hong Kong. Well, what's really cool about self-storage is the fact that like, for example, if you buy a single family home and that's your investment property and for you know whatever reason someone moves out and it's vacant you're a hundred percent vacant until someone else moves in so the better mm-hmm. bet would be to have an apartment building so if you have 10 units or 25 units and one person moves out it doesn't really hurt your bottom line that much because you're still 98 percent uh, occupied and you know what's even cooler about that is with self-storage i mean h- how many units are in one of these uh these lots there's hundreds right 
Yeah, the one that we did together has 160 units. And I I want to say that their average unit size is slightly bigger. So I would say their average size is somewhere around 200 units. And, and what's cool about that is, you know, if a couple of them are vacant, you know, people or they're kind of in between customers, it doesn't really affect the bottom line that much because it's only, you know, it can be a small percentage versus even in a 10 unit apartment building, if two people are vacant and you're waiting to rent it out, you know, that's 20% of your of your profits is completely gone. Uh, and it's, you know, it, have, you know, investing in public storage is almost like investing in a, you know, 150 or 200 unit apartment building, if you kind of think of it from that point of view. Yeah. And I know you've, you've expressed interest in this before, before you even started the podcast, you were telling me how you wanted to buy a large apartment building that had 20 plus apartments in it. And just for that reason, if someone leaves your occupancy remains quite high and i be- i want to say that their occupancy across all 64 of the units is over 98%. So once they actually get the units full, once they get the premise full, it's almost stays full. You might have one or two people fall off, but it's so easy to rent out those last remaining spaces and the lifetime value of the customers is it's you know, it's 10 plus years. Yeah, what's crazy is, I mean, personally, I, I don't have a storage unit, and it actually almost kind of goes everything against kind of my minimalism lifestyle, where I like to, you know, to mm-hmm. travel and uh, not have, you know, any attachments. But the majority of the world, you know, they love having excess stuff. And, you know, most people, mm-hmm. they need a stuff storage unit. And I think almost when people do start traveling, they end up getting one anyways. And it, it just, it's something that they, people just, just keep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, even, even in Chiang Mai, where we spend so much time, I've been trying to find a self-storage unit because you know, I'm there for three months and then I'm gone for three months, there for three months. And I end up just keeping all my stuff in my condo. But if there was an easy, accessible self-storage unit, I would just throw my golf clubs and all my little, you know, Asian souvenirs I picked up everywhere in storage and rent out my place. And some of the stats that he was saying on the podcast um, are are really, really interesting that basically the U.S. market is, it it just completely dominates in self-storage. And Asia is, is so far lacking behind. But Asia has how many more people than the USA? Um... 15 times as many people as the USA. So there's there's tremendous growth opportunity in Asia and and Kevin's obviously as he'll say on the episode at, at the cut, cutting edge and and leading the market in southeastern Asia for sure. Um, and one other that p- point that's really good that came out in the episode is for anybody who's interested in getting involved in self storage, there's good options, and they they're in the the form of REITs, real estate investment trust. So instead of actually trying to go out and figure out how to invest in self storage, you can buy one of these REITs. They're publicly traded in the U.S. Uh, there's public storage and extra space are the two that Kevin recommends, and that's a way that you can actually get in the, involved in the self storage business, own part of those companies, and get the dividend, which I think they pay out every quarter, um, and they're paying out somewhere around three 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 and a half percent. You can just simply buy it. It's super liquid, and you can get in, you can take part in the self storage play. Yeah, I'm really glad that Kevin brought that up in this episode because a lot of people will think, well, okay, well, thanks for sharing this awesome thing, but I can't, you know, I can't invest into buying a um, yeah. a, a company. You know, I don't have the the capital for it, or I don't have the hookup. I, you know, I don't know. I'm not friends with a guy who happens to be the biggest uh, self storage guy in Asia, or I'm not even in Asia, and 
uh, you know, but so by having the reads, the self-storage reads with, you know, companies like Extra Space or Public Storage, like you mentioned, it kind of gives everyone access to that. So I, I think that's a really a cool thing that he brought up to kind of benefit everyone yeah. uh, and not just people that know him. And Johnny, you got it. You got to buy some of these reads. I feel like it only be <laughs> the right thing to do, right? As much as we talk about these things. And Kevin... He was the one that introduced me to Maple Tree, which is based in Singapore. It's part of the reason I'm in Singapore right now, because I'm looking more at buying some of these REITs down here. These REITs pay 7%, which is kind of unheard of in the U.S., right? If you buy, if you buy I own Vanguard's total REIT index, it pays about 2.5%, and that's owning all the public REITs in the USA, right? As soon as you step out to Singapore, they're paying 7%. It's the highest yielding REIT market in the world. Um, and Kevin introduced me to Maple Tree, and I came down, set up an account, and bought those. So I did that before I ever made an investment with Kevin and in his company. And I would highly recommend you come down here and take a look, Johnny, because it's it's a lot of fun when they email you and say it's dividend day, and then everyone goes out and gets to have a beer. You know, that's that's really cool. And uh, honestly, before this episode, you know, I never even thought of self storage as an option. But now that this is out, you know, I'm definitely to, to look into it because this is something that I've kind of been wanting to do anyways. Um, and you know, instead of waiting to be able to buy an apartment building when I'm back in the US, this is something I can kind of get started with right away, especially while traveling, which, which is amazing. Yeah, I like it. I think it's a great idea. Well, very cool. Um, you know, and hope you enjoy yourself out in Singapore. Uh, I just arrived in Lisbon, Portugal. So it's awesome that we're able to kind of connect worldwide and just keep bringing people um, these great episodes from wherever we are in the world. So I hope everyone enjoys episode seven. Kevin, hey, welcome to the show, man. How you doing, Sam? Doing Thank you good. for inviting me. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's always good to catch up anyways. And I thought we could just take one of our typical conversations that we're always having and, and uh, let the listeners see a little bit more about uh, the property businesses, your investment strategy, uh, the amazing business you built and stuff. So I'm looking forward to catching up. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So do all of the things that you've done in Hong Kong. And whenever mm. I go there, I'm always so impressed because I learned a little bit more about you and mm. a little bit more about the business. Tell <laughs> us a little bit about how you became the kind of, well, you're known as, I always call you the king, but you're really regarded no, as, man, as, the, as, the, as the father of self-storage. <laughs> that was that was a media PR stunt. That was a PR stunt. You force <laughs> people to call you the father a few times and then it becomes de, de facto and nobody can unseat you because you're the first one, right? <laughs> it's, it's all branding, right? Yep. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, I started my business about 15 years ago. When I first came back, my father has a family business doing trading in factories. And then and then uh, I wasn't doing so well and one of our factory closed down. So I was helping him out and then he gave me this uh, empty building, right? And I was trying to like lease it out. We couldn't lease it out. And I got my MBA. I was trying to get into investment banking, but I couldn't find uh, get a job. So uh, as a part-time on the side, I was just uh, leasing it out slowly because I was Listening to the guy upstairs, he divided the, the, the big flat into small rooms. And he was lease, leasing it out to the hawkers downstairs. Mm. So I was just copying him while looking for a job. And after like about a year or so, I still couldn't find a job. It was like in 2001, right? And after that, and then, and then after that, I found out I leased about 60 or 70 rooms. And then via the internet, I found out self-storage or mini storage is a big industry in the U.S., and nobody was really doing it in Hong Kong. So I decided to go full time and full force doing this. So it wasn't really I had a grand plan to do mini storage in Hong Kong and become you know, this big whatever. It was just coming out of necessity, getting some extra cash flow from the asset that my family had. 
and mm. uh, and then and then this turned out to be a business. And then, but we we were the first guys to open a branch in Hong Kong to be a second one, and we we're the first guy to run it as a business back then. So that that was a little bit about myself. Sure, that's 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 insane because that's actually a really what I would regard as a short time frame for building a business yeah. of the size because like in startups no, you know you build, big. <laughs> yeah but if you build you know it's like startups it's like three years to build a big hey, business nothing right? about a sky sink man uh, that, <laughs> hey you know that's um you know yeah. that's a trendy consumer thing right and, and good timing but like to build yeah. the, to build the biggest self-storage company i mean i know it's like self-storage in the u.s yep. we had self-storage when I, when i was yep. growing up um yep. but it is definitely a different model but yes you know so you've been at it for about 15 years Yes, yes. Uh, the turning uh, back then, you can tell, like, uh, because of my practice in MBA, I spotted the good business for various reasons. Mm. One, re- one reason was uh, uh, there was existing players already charging, for example, $10 Hong Kong, right? Mm-hmm. And after 2009, if you lease a property, I can lease it for like 250 or 3 bucks. So I can lease it for 250 or 3 bucks. I can lease it out for six dollar, right, or six fifty. I can have like after everything, I can have like sixty or seventy percent profit margin. I can still undercut everybody by mm. thirty for thirty percent. So I saw the potential there. That's number one. And number two, uh, because it's not retail, right? So I can just lock up all the rooms and I can scale my business slowly, and nobody knows it's doing well. Unlike other business, if there's a lineup, if everybody were copying me, right? So mm. since uh, since this this is a secret business, I can scale up slowly and slowly and slowly until I got scale. So those things seems very attractive to me. Yeah. Hmm. So fast forward to today, you have you yes. went from that was two thousand one. You got started. Now how many yeah. how many locations do you guys have in? We have around sixty four locations now, uh, or about one point one million square feet. So we're the biggest in Hong Kong, top three in Asia, and number seventy eight in the world. Wow. So yeah. the, so the the top seventy five are outside of Asia. They're all U.S. <laughs> Holy moly! Yeah. and the two guys in uh, the two guys bigger than me in Hong Kong are all REITs, like Capital Land in Singapore, or or like another big one in Japan. So so I'm probably the most uh, privately owned self storage operator in Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah we for, are at least for, yeah. for, for the for the time being private. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so how how many yeah. um how many so you have one point one million square feet? You said yeah yeah how we many? have about two twenty thousand customers right now. Damn. So, and how many so is that? Is that close to the total amount of units you have? Uh, no, we have about twenty three, twenty four. We're we're always having some rooms expand. <laughs> we're it's, always expanding. It's amazing because when I think of that many rooms, and then I I think of the sh- the sh- the small size of Hong Kong, it's it yeah. just it seems like your but locations you, are everywhere. You, you think about it, right? I have about twenty thousand square feet of. Uh, I have twenty thousand customers, right? Mm-hmm. And I already own close to one fourth of the market, or at least twenty. 21, 22% of the market share as reported by Ipsos, which I do study every day, mm-hmm. right? Uh, every every year. So the entire Hong Kong has maybe only around 100,000 uh, customers using self-storage. There's 2.6 million families in Hong Kong. Even one, like in US, even one family out of 10 uses self-storage. That's, that's at least three times more growth. That's 260,000. Mm. So we can still triple the Hong Kong market, right? Wow. Yeah. I always was so attracted to the the concept because when I when I started to learn like about your business, I was like, wow, mm-hmm. this this is really recession proof because in a terrible market, people are yep. just going to want to downsize their homes mm-hmm. or or sell off places. And if you can, you know, if a typical place, let's say like a, a one bedroom apartment in mm-hmm. Hong Kong, may cost 
what, like 3,000, 4,000 US a month or more? Yeah, yeah. And a self-storage unit is, say, 100 US dollars. Yeah. You know, it just makes sense to, to get rid of some space and yeah. put put the things you don't need into self-storage or and all the transient visitors that are going through Hong Kong there for a yeah. year and gone. So yeah, it's, it's quite recession proof. <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> I, guess, yeah. I guess we can see in the next bad market, but yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, it, like in 2007, mm-hmm. 2009, the, you mean. 2009. Yeah, yeah. The, I guess the market was bad in 2009, right? Yeah. So, but the business was, you had very, how, how was like the rentals? Did you maintain your, your occupancy? Uh, in our, our business is about marketing. When, when the economy is good, you market about fun stuff like toy storage, renovation, whatever. And when the market is bad, you just say uh, big discount, big mm-hmm. discount, uh, cheap sale, right? Mm-hmm. But in actuality, because uh, most people are first-time users here, you can just discount 3% or 2%. They wouldn't even know what, 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 what the actual price is anyways, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's just all perception. And the good thing about having a recession-proof business is property market in Hong Kong fluctuates a lot, like really quickly. So in uh, 2007, uh, a property in, in, in Toon Moon, for example, was going around $600 per square foot. But during the, the American uh, recession, right, it fell to $280 per square foot. So it dropped in half, uh, by half price within, within a span of one year. Mm. And yet, since my cash flow was, was consistent, I was able to snatch up a lot of good deals back then. And that's mm-hmm. how you play the property game in Hong Kong, having consistent cash flow and look for look for downturns in reci- uh, property cycles and just to get the get the cheap price uh, cheap, uh, property on the cheap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, of the 64 locations you have, what's mm. like is a typical one similar to the one that we have together, like in terms of size and the amount of units or are they bigger? No, or the average, the uh, 64 locations in a sense that one building has more one or more units. Uh, we, 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 we purchased two together, right? Yeah, a typical size is around five, like five of the units that we bought together. So around 25,000 square feet. Oh, wow. So that's yeah. but because those would be in the same building. Yeah. So it's considered as one, one location. So, so to, sometimes, yes. Yeah. So I was going to say to give the, the listeners some context. So mm. the, I own a, a unit with not a unit, uh, well, I guess call a it premise. A, unit, a premise yeah. with, yeah. with Kevin and his company yeah. and it's, it's basically one fourth of a floor of an industrial unit. So if you could like yeah. take the elevator up an industrial unit, there's four yeah. units within there and yeah. our unit is one corner. And then you just yeah. bought the one across from yeah. it that we're doing together as yeah. well. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a little bit like monopoly because outside are the common area shared by all the owners. Mm. But if you happens to uh, buy all four units, you can basically, uh, overtake all the common area and make it for yourself. So I used to do that. So I, once I buy all four units of a floor, I just uh, I just destroy all the toilets outside and make it my own as storage. <laughs> <laughs> like it. Yeah. And you always talk to me like about this financial wizardry stuff that I can't get my head around. And it's always around re- me. You're you're the guy with the success, man. <laughs> <laughs> I w- I would love to have a uh, I would love to have yeah. a cash flow like like you yeah. and your business has, mm-hmm. um, but the debt that that you're able to leverage, I guess, because yes. you own so much property and your your yes. company has so much status in Hong Kong, it's yes. something I have no experience with. And every time you, you're like, well, if you can get sixty percent loan, then you can, you know, you, the the leverage and the type of returns that you can get on the money you put down is is pretty amazing. Much lower. Yes, yeah, yes. and I, I don't really understand that. Can you like? 
you always uh, mention it to me with regards to like REITs when we're talking about doing these REIT investment. Yes. Like if you can get if you can get a loan against it, then you yeah. multiply your return because, heavily, right? Because uh, okay, uh, well for for self storage, right? Uh, the yield was really great in the beginning, and that's how I was able to scale up. When I first started the business, and leverage yield was close to twenty two percent. So I, I you basically you can uh, get your money back in three and a half years. But then back then I had no money, so 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 uh, so so I, I was uh, I was still able to make a lot of money with that. But having said that, right now my operations I can get around a seven or eight percent yield, right, mm-hmm. uh, which is okay. But when I borrow money, I borrow from the bank at around two point five percent, right. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, just say a ten million dollar property in Hong Kong dollars mm-hmm. or, or U.S. dollar, for example, maybe a two million dollar property. Uh, I just put up eight hundred thousand dollars, and the bank will give me the rest of the loan. And because I'm leveraging my my original uh, 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 the, the capital, so my my uh, return on investment just jumped from an eight percent to a fifteen sixteen percent. Of it. course, you you have to have confidence in your industry that is recession proof. Otherwise, you can't you can't really leverage. And because Hong Kong, uh, how do you say Hong Kong? They have a lot of money, but they can't lend to companies that have no earnings. Luckily, we have earnings. And another thing about Hong Kong is you should be number one and you should be on TV because the bankers, uh, if they lend to you and you fail, they have a reason because you're hey, you're famous, you know. I didn't know, but if they lend to a no- if they lend to a nobody, if they lend to a nobody, then they may have to take a fall. So so Hong Kong is all about per- perception, in, in my view. So generally, yeah. it's it's pretty easy money. It's as long as you have property and some something to collateralize. No, you need earnings. You need earnings. earnings. Okay. Yeah, you you need earnings. That's why. Uh, it would be good if you can also have a web business, a web-based business that that generate earnings without property. Mm. So you can use that earnings on top. Right now, it's getting harder and harder, and so the earning really matters too. But uh, I would say if you if you go to a bank, you should always in Hong Kong to succeed, you need a you need a really best friend that's a banker and a lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody somebody who uh, give you their scorecard. Okay, Mr. Xi. If you do this, 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 then I can lend you the money. They'll show you their cards that, that they're holding. Once you know it, then you just, you know, uh, align yourself to it. <laughs> so will they, is it almost like perpetual that you can get, you can get loan? Like, let's say you borrow money, mm. you buy a premise, it starts generating earnings, you go mm. out, you borrow more money, yeah. you, you know, like, could you, can that continue on and on and on as long as you're securing properties, generating earnings off of that property? And then use that as additional earnings and collateral to, to, to secure a loan. I'll tell you how crazy it was before. This is just like in the U.S., no money down. I didn't do it, but I, I know people do it. Uh, you can borrow the the, uh, the government before now. They allow the banks to lend you seventy percent on 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 the, on the on the value of the property, right? Seventy seventy percent. Yeah. So what you do is you you form two companies, Sam Mark's Company A, Sam Mark Company B. Okay. You buy what, and before that, this thing you can flip, and you don't pay taxes on flipping for industrial buildings, right? So what you do is you buy a you buy a property, you put ten percent deposit on this property, just say it's a one million dollar, right? You put a ten percent deposit on it to be completed in about three months, right? Mm. Okay, and right, and the next month you sell that you sell the rights for this property to Sam Mark Company B at one point three million dollar. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the whole transaction costs you maybe a few thousand dollar legal fee. All right, mm-hmm. and then you go to the bank and say, "Hey, this property is worth one point three million dollar. I need one million dollar loan, which is seventy percent." Hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. In essence, no yeah. money down. <laughs> 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 I know, I know, so many people that got rich like that. But then again, 
if if there's a downturn, the banker takes the fall, and I'm I'm unwilling to because my banker is my good friend, so I'm I'm unwilling to do that. But there are so many of these so many of these tricks in Hong Kong that you can play. Mm. Yeah. And speaking of tricks, it seems like a lot of the a lot of the competition is just like there's this old story uh, in the USA where McDonald's would have like these massive research teams. Yeah. And they would go and find like the the best perfect property like in yeah. any any place, right? And then mm-hmm. Bur- and then Burger King would just like follow them around. And when yeah. McDonald's <laughs> secured yeah. like a piece of land, then Burger King yeah. would just buy the land next to him. And it seems yeah. like that's what a lot of of lot of your competitors are, are trying to do to you. Uh, we uh, because we've been growing so fast, we virtually or almost dominate the me or and a few guys dominate the internet uh, market space. Mm-hmm which, you know, if you need for storage, so search is very important. So how these small guys survive is, is like they're like the leech, 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 right? Mm-hmm. What they do is they don't do any marketing. They purposely open right next to you, right? And then they have this uncle or auntie just sit like, like uh, what, what uncle auntie refers like an old guy mm-hmm. sitting in front of your storage. And every time a customer comes in, brought into uh, to your uh, storage by your advertising, they just wave their hand. Hey, come over here. SC storage is full. We're just 50, we're 15% cheaper. Mm. And they, and to an extent, they succeeded for a long time. But ever since, uh, about a year and a half ago, we connected all our, uh, uh, storages online. We get them to make a deposit to our storage before they even come to us. That's right. what I always tell my staff. You have to ask the customer to make a commitment to you yeah. prior to them visiting. Because once they visit, the chance they, they get stolen by these leeches, right? So, so do you just pass those those com- competitors off as competition? I mean, I would just hate to see that. I would get so pissed off. But it's, <laughs> it's just business in a sense, right? It's just business. I mean, don't get too emotional. Just see if you can do that to other people there. <laughs> uh, that's, that's why I have a bottle of uh, whiskey sitting next to me. So I always <laughs> Actually, remind myself, of, don't uh, stay too rem- don't stay yeah. emotional. <laughs> one one of my uh, one of my competitors is closing down down uh, this weekend, and we formulated a pretty good sneaky strategy to steal his customers. That, that's pretty fun too. So it's about the the, the game of the wit and and the mind. Well, know? would those ever come to you and just say, "Hey, do you want like take take over my property?" Or do they just typically go out of business? Because that's got to happen to a lot of them. Uh, yes, uh, we just recently took over. We just I made an acquisition the, this uh, this month. I mean last month. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is a leasehold. So the operator is leasing from the landlord. He was breaking even or making very little and the lease was about to be due and the, the landlord raises rent. Mm-hmm. And uh, we calculated we can we can make money with the new new rental. So we just per, uh, we just purchased his acquisition. So acquisition will become a future play for SC in, in Hong Kong in the future. Third no. party uh, acquisition and third party management. Gotcha. So what else yeah. are you guys doing to expand? You're going into Macau and some other markets? Oh, we are in Macau. We're going to Singapore this year. Oh man, I'll have the place scoped out for you. I'm looking at oh, really? the right now. A lot of <laughs> a lot of vacant uh, buildings. Yeah, I'll just be your roommate, man. <laughs> oh, well, I don't have an extra bedroom, but um, I'm not shy, so you you can stay on the couch anytime. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, looking for I'll be there at least for a month or something. So uh, I believe in something called enterprise value, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't know if you heard that term. Is is like uh, me going to Singapore? This late in the game, I do think we have a competitive advantage, but we won't make massive money. But as an enterprise itself, if you go into Singapore right now and you succeed in Singapore, then you can prove other people that SC Storage is not just a Hong Kong play. We're at least an Asian Asian play, right? Mm-hmm. So the value of SC Storage increases a lot as a company. Hmm. Yes, yeah. definitely. So, and so and just like reflecting back to the numbers you said earlier, mm-hmm. where there's 
75 of the top biggest yeah. storage companies in the USA, correct? Yes. And then three here in Asia. Yeah. But there's mm, ten, at least 10 times as many people in Asia as there are in the USA. Yes. So, I mean, yes. without knowing more details about all the markets and, and the storage yep. business, I would just think that there's so much room for growth in, but, in all but the, the markets. But, but the problem is uh, people don't for, uh, remember one fact. The U.S. developed the self-storage market, took them 60 years, mm-hmm. right? And U.S. Is, is, is still a consumer-driven culture, right? And mm-hmm. in Hong Kong or in Asia in general, everybody knows uh, Asia is an express thing. And with so many supply coming in, every rich guy trying to do self-storage, right? It's, it's not easy anymore. It's not easy anymore. So so you got to think of a, a, a curveball. You got to think of some way to, uh, you got to come in with a different strategy. You can't be doing the same thing as everybody else is doing. Otherwise, you you, you never get the bigger piece of the pie. Right. Well, what would yeah. be what would be a make or break point for you guys? Like if, if you open a new location in Singapore yeah. and, you, and you're, uh, well, I'm not sure if you would buy the properties or not, but let's say you mm-hmm. get like a 2 or 3% return on money compared to an 8 yeah. or 10 is that is that worth continuing to operate or uh we won't we won't open one storage you have mm-hmm. to open a cluster mm-hmm. right you have to have a have a cluster to dominate the whole 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 area and and it really depends because if we're renting we'll continue it because of the enterprise value i'm not going to commit any money to it until i approve but i can at least make decent money to it right so yeah. it's like even if if you don't even if you're not making a lot of money no. on a return basis it's still worth it to get your brand out there and expand hey, if if there there's somebody looking to buy se storage se storage being an asian play with a proven record in singapore is worth much more than just a hong kong macau play right yes definitely so the, money color the other side <laughs> so you guys are kind of, you're coming to singapore you're coming out swinging you're not just going to open one you're going to try to secure a cluster yeah yeah very cool yeah. Very mm-hmm. cool. So what else is, um, just so like on that note, what else is, what are, are the other plans for SD storage? Have you guys ever thought about doing like a REIT or IPO or anything like that? IPO, not again. I mean, Hong Kong, you, you can't do IPO. You got to sacrifice a lot of things and it's not my style. Mm-hmm. But uh, REIT, uh, well, we, we're, we're up for acquisitions or, or merging with the REITs and all that. We're always open for that. And I think the next phase in Hong Kong is, and I'll, I'll, I'll expose the secret of my next phase a little bit, to your uh, uh, to your listeners, just so your your ratings can get up a bit. Oh, you're, you're the best. That's why they call you the father. <laughs> Micro markets. There are. I don't know if you know, but uh, you know, just say for example, industrial building that you saw uh, in, in uh, when when you visited us. Yeah. All industrial buildings in Hong Kong are in traditional and old areas, right? Tun Moon, Mong Kok. Yeah, not Kalimbe, exactly Kuntong. places you want to like just take a walk and. No, there are there are like uh, no some places there are uh, surrounded by housing. But for the last 20 years, every new uh, mic- uh, small towns or micro uh, uh, satellite cities around Hong Kong that uh, the government has pushed to build, there are no industrial buildings there, mm-hmm. right? So the question is, how are you going to uh, open o- open storages, right? Right, so because I, you don't have I'm, the you don't have the infrastructure. Exactly. So I'm look. I'm focusing on finding areas where I can do self storage in those markets because. That's the key next phase. I mean, we secured two properties last year, virtual monopoly. There are no industrial buildings. Well, there is one, and I got it, right? So I'll be looking for micro markets where I can show a, 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 a monopoly. So that's, that's really a convenience thing, right? Because people would rather just have a self-storage right next yeah. to their house versus a yeah. five-mile five drive away or something. Exactly. Location is uh, Location trumps. Uh, location is number one. Brand and security is number two. Price is number three. Mm. 
Yeah. So micro market, and there are a lot of micro segments in Hong Kong but, that is untapped right now. I haven't yet discovered how I can crack it because there's no industrial building, so price is quite high. But I'm coming very close. Well, what about how could you go into much smaller units instead of doing like a five thousand square uh, square yes. meter unit? You could do like a one thousand or smaller. That is the next wave. Actually, a lot of people in New York City is doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, traditionally, valley storage like the boxes doesn't make sense, or like manless storage. But with the new breakthroughs in technology, like self-serving and the uh, Uber Lyft and all that, this changing the dynamics a lot. So that's something I'm interested in too, because if you can do that, then you can go into central, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can because you can automate a lot of like the check-in and yeah. But once you start having to man it with an actual security guard, or, yep. or, then you you need more spaces just to justify the overhead, right? Yep, exactly. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So I met with this really interesting banker mm-hmm. in in Singapore last week. I wanted to get him on the show, but he didn't have an advisory li- license, so he couldn't he couldn't speak publicly on behalf okay. of his company, anyways. Okay. But we were talking about REITs because you okay. got me into. The maple tree roots. I hope you didn't lose money too no, much. No, listen, honestly, it's probably oh. my favorite investment right now because really, it, every, but you got the wrong one. I tried to get you the greater. It's okay. One, yeah, whatever. It's okay. One. It's very it's similar. You're making money, right? And you know what? I, they yeah. sent me some perspectives on the four of them, and I just yeah. sat there and read them by myself. I'm like, oh, this one makes the most sense. But yeah. anyway, oh, so you make it, you came making good. They pay pretty good dividends. Yeah, paying great. Yeah, I mean, oh, okay. Well, listen, for for a, a U.S. citizen. You know, making six and a half percent on something that's somewhat principle protected is amazing, right? Why don't you Why don't you 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 open a private bank account and get and get fifty percent leverage? Then your six percent becomes thirteen percent. I have a I have a uh, a privileged bank account here. I haven't actually asked them about borrowing money. Okay. Um, Like I've always told you, I've never borrowed money, so it's scary to me. It's scary Uh, to me to borrow at like at say two and a half percent. Yeah. to make 5%. I think that most mm. people would be like, well, that's awesome. For me, it's like, I have... You ask, if you interview more uh, prop, property people, that's how they make money, massive debt. Right, massive. Yeah. Like, it's like if you go buy a $30 million building and you yeah. renovate it and sell it for $50 million and all you did was rent that, borrow that money, you just made like $15 million. As long as you know the, invest, the income you're getting from that investment is secure. Mm-hmm. So the REIT for Maple Tree is like double A or something. And then we talk to the actual shopping malls that they have, and their waiting list is like you know is, is super crazy long. Mm-hmm. So under a re- law, they have to give you dividend. They can't play games. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. So, and I looked into them a little bit more because I was worried. Like I was worried yeah. if what happens in a really bad market. Yeah. But it seems like they. The only thing that would happen is the. The, the stock value, the paper value of yeah. the REIT would go down, but yeah. the the yield would still be the same. So if the, the if you're getting higher, it'd be gone down. Well, if, if you bought, yeah. yeah, if you bought at if you bought yeah. at a lower price, but yeah. it would still pay out the dividend. Yeah. And then I looked at a lot of different REITs back in 2007, 2008, okay. and yeah. only like one of them went out of business because oh, the wow. banks the banks don't want to f- the foreclose on them because there's so much yeah. debt and they'll yeah. and they'll have to sell the property in a bad market which will you know which yeah. will be a big loss for them. Yeah. So the more I dig on these things the more I really like them. And okay. You can sleep on them, right? That's the yeah, thing. Absolutely. And yeah. so I've I've gotten a few of my friends in on on Maple Tree Sense and it's okay. it's great because you get an email every 3 months that says oh, okay. We're issuing dividend or we're issuing a dividend. Do you want 
cash or do you want more equity? You should write a letter to the CEO if she's in Singapore, man. Yeah, they sure. are. Yeah, yeah, hey, I want to have lunch by. with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do. Get uh, on the podcast. <laughs> it's it's fun. It's fun be, because everyone that has bought them, we get the yeah. email this pretty much the same day. It's like, yeah, it's dividend day. Let's go get some beers. And it's, oh, it feels bad. like free money. Yeah. Um, and it, it, then you still you, you'll feel really good if, if you can get some uh, low low interest rate on it. My friends uh, buy the Greater China one. They pay about seven seven point five percent yield, and mm-hmm. he, he got his money because he has a lot of money, right? So it's private banking is uh, is is a cost plus point two five. So he's getting at one point seven five, right? So he's, he's getting money at one point seven five. Yeah, so it's basically get like netting around twelve percent return, right? So you, that's you can, insane. You, you should you should you should start small, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah, take a little bit. It's it's yeah. just a lot. It's a lot more paperwork and stuff too. Yeah. But yeah. the the banker was saying that the biggest market in the world is the U.S. Yeah. For for re, for REITs, and then yeah. followed by Japan, followed by mm. Singapore. But yeah. the the yields are the opposite. the The highest yields are in Singapore, then mm-hmm. Japan, and then the USA. Mm-hmm. So so for instance, I own I own the total REIT fund through Vanguard, which is a popular you know Vanguard. Yeah. Yes. So I own the total, the the fund. To, yeah, the, the domestic REIT fund. Yeah. It only pays yeah. like two and a half percent. Okay. So okay. It, all I have to do is step outside to Singapore, yeah. buy yeah. a REIT over here, and I'm making six and a half percent. It's 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 like it doesn't make sense to me. Because uh, I, I I would think because the leases in US is much longer, in a sense that in a sense if I lease it to a store or something, right, it's like a ten year lease, right? So the upside is very limited, right? But in, in Singapore, like you lease it for two, three years, they keep on raising your rent, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I also think that people, mm-hmm. most of that, that fund is owned by from do, yeah. uh, domestic investors, either like in, pe- per- pension or something yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Right? So the, the yeah. stock, the, the value yeah. is, is overvalued because okay. people in the USA have very few options to invest yeah. internationally unless yeah. they do it through Vanguard yeah. or something. But if you invest more, you should consider the hedging risk because even if you can make money, if Singapore dollar falls, then you're at risk unless you want to play that game too. Otherwise, mm. what you would do is borrow Singapore money, right? Then, then, then you, 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 uh, you're hedging against the currency risk. Yeah, all this stuff is so complicated for U.S. Come tax, on, tax reporting. I, you don't know how much time it takes. Like every time I make a trade, I have to, I have to document, I have to send it to my accountant. He's got to yeah. file. It's just, hey, it's madness. The, the Facebook ex-owner is in Singapore. You should ask him to be on your podcast about the value of U.S. citizenship <laughs> and, and how is that related to money. You know, just, <laughs> exactly. I just figured out that the. The, he owns a angel investing fund that's run by this this uh, this other guy named Darius, okay. and I just found out that he and me invested in the same startup. Okay. In Singapore. Okay. So I just uh, shot him a message to see if we can see if we can meet up, and maybe that leads to a, a few nights out with Aguardo. But yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the, I, I'm gonna look at some more of these REITs in Singapore. Like, do you yeah. do any? Have you bought any of those yourself? Or I'm buying maple tree. I just uh, refinanced my properties for. This is how bad it is. Okay, storage is pretty good. It's eight percent. But but I rather have some. I'm gonna buy some maple tree. They're paying about seven point five. The Greater China one. Mm-hmm. And and you really should look into this. And the reason why they're paying so much is because all the all the maple tree Greater China ones, uh, the properties, they're not in Singapore, but they're listed in Singapore, right? So you right. think about it. You're a Singaporean. Would you invest in something that you don't know where it is and you haven't seen, right? So th- that takes like maybe one third or forty percent of people who are not invest in it, right? Mm. And 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 as a result, they have to pay high high yield. They're paying about seven point five now. And if you gear, if you bought at two percent on that, just say fifty percent, 
you know, whatever, that's pretty safe. You can easily get a 13% return. Mm-hmm. And they, if you look at, one thing you also look at is their, their track record. They increase their, uh, their dividend payments by at least 10% every year. Yeah. So no, that's, it's, that's, it's, it's really impressive. I, it's, mm. it's overly simple actually yeah. getting started. And if you had mm. told me three years ago, I could invest yeah. in a stock that was paying 7% yeah. and the downside yeah. was pretty much, you know, yeah. the principal was somewhat, yeah. I would say yeah. it's very secure based on the yeah. research that I've done. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's it's nuts because just looking at U.S. domestic investments, there's nothing that pays like that, you know. Yeah. Well. But <laughs> once you step out and look at it, so I, I bought the I bought the I'm Singapore. Glad, I'm glad uh, I gave you some value add besides all those uh, stupid parties. We'll, we'll see. We'll, t- we'll, t- we'll, t- we'll see in ten years. Yeah. So, so <laughs> the immediate values in the parties, the long term values in the in the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So the, uh, there was a, which is the biggest self, I was just thinking for the listeners, if they wanted, if they were interested in investing in self-storage, it's obviously not easy to invest uh, uh, in the, the manner the big, that I did with you, but yeah. there's the, there's the REITs, right? That the big five REITs, uh, I'm a big believer in them. They're a bit overvalued, but I know people inside the REITs and what they're doing and they're killing it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you look at the REITs, uh, uh, public storage or extra space, extra space, for example, during zero nine, mm-hmm. everybody didn't know they were recession proof. So it fell to $9 per, per uh, $9 a stock. Now is at 90 or 89. Okay. That's only seven years. Jeez. All right. So, and it's a real estate company, right? And even at right now, the, the PE is really high. It's like 50 something, right? But mm-hmm. they're paying a three, 3.3% yield. Uh, you can look in the public storage, uh, extra space. Extra space is my favorite. Uh, national storage that comes with a different angle. Cube Smart and Uncle Bob. So uh, it's the most recession-proof uh, uh, risk, uh, uh, sector. So so it's pretty consistent. And 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 the thing is, the good thing is, everything is monthly, right? So if there's an uptrend or downtrend, they can change the price really really quickly gotcha. for the tenant. Is that yeah. you said that's self storage? Self storage in the U.S. In the U.S. What's the yeah. name again? Uh, p- public storage is the big one, the orange uh, one. PSA, yeah, yeah, extra yeah. space is my favorite because they're the most dynamic. If, if you know the things they're doing, they have a, a team of five data scientists just to get you to click on their website. Okay, mm. so you know how how is the mom and pop's gonna uh, how the mom and pop are going to uh, compete. And I'll tell you how I can even tell you how how they do it. The self storage market in the U.S. is growing about one percent only. Okay, so if you look at the natural growth, it's not much. But what they do is they buy like regional players that's underperforming or mom and pops that's underperforming. Just say, if I charge $20 per square foot and these guys are charging $15 per square foot, but they're, they can only get up to 70% occupancy rate. So what they do is they use their massive brand, massive marketing thing to uplift the price from 15 to 20. Mm-hmm. And they uplift the occupancy rate from uh, just say 70% to 95%. Also, they sell insurance. Usually the mom and pops don't sell insurance. So if you combine all three of these variables, right? Uh, uplifting the occupancy rate, uplifting the rental rate, and selling occup- uh, and selling the storage insurance in 18 months, they can increase their cash flow by 80 percent. And using that 80 percent, they just refinance the whole property again. Yeah. So that's how they're growing the market. <laughs> Crazy. So people, the companies like Public Storage, right? Yeah. Are they? Yeah. Are they only domestic U.S.? They're no. They bought SureGuard in, in, in Europe. Okay. So they're SureGuard start, they're uh, Europe. Uh, like, yeah, they're expanding. They're expanding, and and uh, there's so much tricks they can do. So they can do like really, really good SEOs, really, really, and they lower. The, they keep on lowering the price. Just say mm-hmm. in a micro market, if there's only one or two operators, right? They they lower the price until they break even. They do major SEOs and uh, uh, pay search. So 
those guys cannot make money. And then mm. they start, they have guys approaching them, hey, why don't you just sell to us, you know? And then they force those guys to sell to them. And once the, 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 mom, the only mom and pop sells to them, they become the only player in that micro market. Mm. And then they lift the prices by 30%. Um, and I, this is going to be a huge industry for big data in, like, in the next oh, 10 years, right? Yes, unbelievable. I'm, I'm hiring data scientists soon, man. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. In Hong Kong yeah. or? Uh, in China, in Shenzhen. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So the public, public storage, you th- what, do you know what yield they pay? They pay about, wait, let me check. Uh, it's, it's, if, it's, if you buy uh, self-storage stocks now, it's going to be like an investment. It will be a risky investment like uh, for high returns. But, uh, but they, public storage pay 3% yield, but their, 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 uh, their dividend is increasing by 15 20% every quarter, every half a year. Fifteen twenty percent. I I bought a I'll call it, uh, I bought I bought a extra space. I bought extra space uh, mm-hmm. about uh, about half a year ago, and they increases their dividend paid by fifty percent because they keep on buying other properties, right? But once you acquire mom and pops, you have to increase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I guess for any listeners that just want to get into this, get into self storage in terms of having some recession proof stocks and i guess you just call it property even if you own the stock you really own the paper side of physical property right yes so take a look at public storage uh online psa and if you want to go overseas see the tricky thing for people in the u.s to buy something like maple tree i couldn't figure out how to do it unless i came to singapore opened an account and Mm -hmm. bought it so that's that's the big barrier but that's why that's why you went to singapore yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's just to, to come down here and uh, and, and <laughs> yeah. watch over my paper, I guess. But it's <laughs> yeah. cool looking at the buildings and seeing, like, yeah. technically, you own a piece of that building. So which um, one did you buy anyways? There's a lot of uh, trust. Yeah, I bought the industrial and I okay. bought the logistics. So the, okay. lo- the logistics one is an Asia-Pacific play. They own properties all over Asia-Pacific, which okay. is kind of why I, I liked it as a little bit diversification. But okay. the price, I bought that at 115 It's down to like 95 90 high oh, 90s no. but okay. it's okay right if you're gonna hold it for if you're planning yeah. on holding it it doesn't matter the price yeah. could go to, to 10 and even if, at 119 they're still paying a 6.5 or 7 percent you yeah they're paying seven percent now i bought when i bought That's it was paying bad. like five and a half and now okay. that the price is down it's paying six and a half so i bought more okay so that, i think that's a good thing with with these type of things is if you can yeah. you buy them if the price drops as long buy as you're more. playing on holding it, yeah. yeah, you buy more or it doesn't matter because you're still getting the same yield. Yeah. So you don't really have to worry about the uh, the fluctuation yeah. as much. Um, and then I bought the industrial one, mm. which is they're just they're buildings on the outside of Singapore. It's not downtown like the okay. commercial one, but yeah. it's all for manufacturing yeah. and automotive and stuff like that. Oh, I'm going to catch, I'm gonna catch, it, catch some myself later. <laughs> Take a look, man. Take a yeah. look. Yeah. yeah. So what else? Um, what are the big plans for you coming up? Like, are you, but, and by the way, are you, are you invested like fully in your business or do you have other types of investment? To, like, no, I, like? I, I do about 1% of my business, uh, of my investment in uh, risky things now. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> I only know storage. So, so I spend some money invest in public storage and extra space. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, I'm trying to invest in other things. I don't like investing in startups because I like control of my money. That's, that's, <laughs> that's my kind of metaphor. Like I know, I don't want to bug people all day about, hey, where are you going to pay me? Where are you going to pay me? What's up? What's up? You know, if I buy a stock, it doesn't work. I just sell it the next day, right? So yeah. that's that's kind of bad because it's, it, 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 it's kind of like a mental block for me. But it's, it's something I can sleep at night. I don't have to worry about, you know, 
other things, right? I like yeah. control. I'm yeah. a control freak, I guess. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. But that's exactly why I was so drawn to trying to, to do an investment with you because yeah. I was in a place where 100% of, of my, I wouldn't say my, my worth, but 100% of my investments were in high risk. And, oh, really? And I was in a business that for, you know, for four years that I put my heart and soul into and all I had was equity on paper, but you know, yeah. te- technically it was worth nothing until someone offers you something for it. And I just, I remember so many sleepless nights of being in that hardcore startup phase where yeah. I just wanted to get out of it. I wanted to build something tangible that yeah. had a little bit of a, a, a fixed income aspect to it. Yeah. So I think you and I are, are kind of at different ends and we're, we're both somewhat going towards the middle. Well, thank you for <laughs> trusting me, man. I mean, I, I just met you like, two days from part from 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 drinking and, and eating and then you you trust me i mean so so that's uh, i i take great honor for that oh uh, well, you know it, it's pretty easy when you go to go to hong kong and half of the city sees you in the street and comes up and wants to shake your hand and, and calls you the father it's hard <laughs> it's hard to go wrong with something like that but um, that's that's one thing i learned if you want to invest in somebody invest with a, a famous person there because they have a reputation to upkeep if, if, if they screw you right and then you tell everybody then i'm fucked i'm, I'm screwed in the city exactly exactly <laughs> have, have, you, have, have you ever read the book uh the richest guy in babylon no i have been hurt or meaning to i uh, is a uh, yeah I have. it's it's only like a hundred page book and okay. it was apparently it was written you know a couple thousand years ago Okay. I I read it only a few months ago, and there's okay. I think there's five like five five truths to building you wealth. Sh- you should have you should have introduced me this book earlier. You introduced me the Great War World War Two. It's yeah. like fifty hours. <laughs> I'm still on hour eight, man. <laughs> man, I tore through that book. That was a great book. <laughs> it is, but it's a bit long, man. Well, I'll give you I'll, I'll give you the hundred pager. I could probably I can probably print it out the next time I'm out at office and just drop it's it right. on, drop it off. It's so small. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. they, they have they have a lot of like ancient truths about building okay. wealth and okay. ancient strategies that have been around for thousands of years. And one is. Um, is trusting yeah. some like someone with ancient wisdom or or kind of wisdom yeah. about um, an industry that and 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 again in like the reputation and it was funny when I read that I was like that's Kevin that's that's you're you're trusting like somebody with ancient wisdom with with market wisdom that has a reputation and and um, and that's like you know five thousand year old advice so it's but a good always, book to read I, I, I always say like. Uh, in, in, in business, you have three ways to make money. One is your actual business itself, which is self-storage. And number two is your product appreciates over time, which is an industrial building, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's number one. And number two, and number three, is you have such a good system that people invest in you and you leverage their money to expand faster. So, so we're doing number, number one, two, and three right now. Right. That's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Well, ho- hopefully the appreciation stuff... Um, it's plays it's out. I've, yeah. I've never, I've literally never met anybody. Mm. It's probably my generation growing mm. up in the USA. Yeah. You know, people that my, my parents, if they yeah. invested in property, they would have made money. Yeah. But most of the people that I know that are my age that invest yeah. in property have never made money because <laughs> we've been yeah. through so many market, you know, 2001, yeah. 2007. And now yeah. the market's like at the, the market is a of, bit sluggish, but yeah. uh, the, the property that we got in, we're still ahead. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't buy. You can't buy. We're still at least ten, fifteen percent ahead than than a market. Market price is ten, fifteen percent higher than when we got in. Because yeah. of my presence, I only buy discount properties. I don't buy at market price, right? 
So mm-hmm. at least seven to ten percent below market because I, I make sure the agents give me the good deals because I pay them really fast. Yeah, I, I'm known in Hong Kong to pay my commissions really fast. You give me a deal, I pay you like in ten minutes later if, if I sign. Yeah, people so, like so that. So that 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 gives a habit of people bringing me the best deals. Right. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing too. When you have fixed income element, you don't you don't necessarily have to make money off depreciation. Like in in uh, Miami right now, you yeah. buy a property. By the time you pay tax. yearly property tax and you pay insurance and you pay maintenance and and homeowners association you can't make more than one or two percent on a property i mean you you basically are are break even so the only reason people are buying the property as is a store a store value and hoping that the the market continues to grow and they make money on the appreciation but it's Mm -hmm. it's a bit crazy but if you're making you know six seven percent it doesn't matter yeah. as much if you're making if you're if you're you're not no. relying as much on on the uh, capitalization of the property. Exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah. Well, dude, it's been really fun catching up. Um, always, always very interesting to talk to you and thank and you. Your business wisdom and savvy. Is there how can uh, if listeners want to know more about SC Storage, your business, or from you? Do you have you have social media or any ways yeah, people can I have, reach out to you? Uh, Kevin Shi uh, at Facebook. Although some of it is in Chinese, but you can use the translate if it <laughs> Can, works. Can, Cantonese to be specific, right? Yeah, uh, yep. Yeah, I have a I have a Facebook. I I write for uh, two Chinese magazine right now. Capital. I just got a I, I just got a gig to write for Unwire. Unwire is like a tech business uh, 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 website in Hong Kong. So they just offered me the, uh, a column there. So I'm, mm. I'll be starting my column there as well. Well, f- feel free to interview me for that. You know, I'm not shy. Yeah. Or just when you stop by Hong Kong, your viewers, just give me a call, your listeners, and we can go grab a beer. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. uh, it, but uh, you're not treating. Just be sure, just be sure to no. clarify that. You, you yeah. can only, only allowed to treat me. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> I don't treat anybody. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Cool, man. Thanks right, so much thanks for uh, the catch-up. Yeah, okay, buddy. take care. Best of luck for your podcast. All right. Thanks a lot, All right, man. man. Bye-bye. Okay, take care. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, we want to give a quick shout out to everyone who's taken the time to leave five star reviews of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. It helps so much, more than you guys know. It's it's the goal for us is to get to the new and noteworthy section of iTunes, uh, and. We have one month to get there, so we're really excited that everyone's just jumping on, figuring it out. Uh, and what's really cool is we started tracking the reviews, not only from the US iTunes store, but worldwide. So what do we have for this week, Sam? Uh, we're going to read a couple here. We have first Jay Chan from Canada says, love their approach to the topic of investing. It's presented in a modern and fun way that's easy to follow and wrap your head around. Some ideas here are great. Can't wait to put them into practice. Then we have Bodie Girl in Australia says awesome podcast. Looking forward to next week's episode. And another one from Australia from Clive. Awesome podcast. Exactly what I've been looking for. Some genuine entrepreneurs looking for real information on investing, filtering all the BS out and presenting it in a simple form. Very cool. And so from Germany, we have total experience. Great content, guys. Appreciate. Five stars. Well done. The new podcast is great. Really enjoyed it. And keep crushing. So what we're going to do is we're going to give away uh, the our second uh, $25 Amazon gift card. Uh, if you guys have left a review, please take a screenshot and send a quick email to hello at investlikeaboss.com. That way we can put you into the drawing. And what's really cool is... Uh, we keep you in the drawing for an entire year, so you have 12 chances uh, to, to win. So you can win every single month. And actually, because we are giving away uh, 
bonus ones. We're going we're to give away one every single week for this first month. Just kind of kick it off. You actually get 16 chances to win. So you have, you have a very, very good chance of winning uh, if you send in uh, the screenshot of your review. So this week, we have Paul Lipsky uh, from the US. We will send you an email with uh, your $25 Amazon gift card that you can use for any of the books that we've recommended on the show or, you know, you know, pretty much whatever you want. So it's all yours. Thanks so much, Paul. I'm really glad you enjoyed the episode. And thanks for taking the time not only to leave the review, but also to send in the screenshot. Uh, so for everyone else, please do the same. If you want to go to invest like a boss com and click on bonus you can follow the instructions on not only how to navigate the itunes store to leave us the review but also how to send in the screenshot and that way you can get entered to win this drawing so thanks guys and look forward to a very exciting episode eight coming up next week thanks for listening to the best like a boss podcast join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment folios and our private members forum if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe on itunes or your favorite podcast app Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.